use headphones for best experience. Hi. Welcome to another video. This is going to be another globe video. I haven't done globe video for quite a while now. But um, I think I've done a lot of um, map related videos lately. About different maps from the earth. So I think it was about time that I paid some attention to to our closest neighbor of the superior planets, the planets that are more far away from the sun than we are on the earth. So this is going to be a video about Mars. And I um, read a lot of interesting, fascinating facts about Mars lately. Also bought this fantastic globe but um, now the question is where to start because it's a whole planet and I usually start at the coastline and um, the thing is that Mars has no coastline just a red, kind of dead, desert planet. But let's start with the fact that it's red, because that was uh, one of the first things that could be uh, observed by ancient astronomers around the world. And um, it's actually the Mesopotamians or the Babylonians in the Mes Mesopotamian culture, really long time ago, thousands of years ago, that associated this red color with uh, war. Also ancient time in China, it was called the, the Star of Fire. So it was a star that you could see was a bit more red in the color than other stars, and also it uh, moved much faster than the static stars in the sky. 
So it was something special about it. It wasn't just a star. But it was somehow associated to war because of this these features, I guess. And the Greeks, they were inspired by the Mesopotamian cultures and um, they named it after their their god of war Ares and uh, the ancient in ancient Rome they followed this pattern and named it after their god of war and that was Mars Then things started to happen. It actually took a while, but um, in the 16th century, the uh, heliocentric model of um, the solar system and the universe was presented and uh, somehow eventually accepted. Uh, it was presented by Copernicus in the 15th. 
So here we have three sketches of Mars seen through a 17th century telescope and um, you could really see there were some uh, areas of darker color some pattern here and it's called albedo feature if you can see it from Earth some kind of variation And um, he called this uh, part of Mars the Great Marsh because he thought it was like a marsh or water in a way, some, some lake, some ocean, something. And in Latin that would be Syrtis Major. I think it is in Latin. And it's called, actually, it's called Syrtis Major today. Here you can see Syrtis Major Planum. It's a really dark area here. Also, in some angles, it could resemble that. Uh, hourglass or some kind of boot. So I don't know exactly where the hourglass shape could be located. Maybe here. So it's still called Sirtis Major. And you can see it's a distinct darker color here. And it's because of the um, the red color of Mars. It's actually the surface dust, a thick layer of dust. But it's at some places it's not as thick as in others. So this particular plane it's uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's a bit more high altitude than the surroundings here. This is a basin, the Isidis or Isidis Planitia or basin, huge impact basin here. Maybe the dust somehow becomes more concentrated in basins like this. I don't know exactly why, but it's not evenly spread on the surface. And it's actually the, the dust, the dust on the surface that give, gives Mars its red color because uh, it's uh, mostly iron oxide or rust but under the surface it's uh, the rocks and the minerals have many different colors just like on earth
and uh, when you had this fixed point on the surface of Mars you could start to to calculate the rotation of the planet and um, they noticed that it rotated approximately at the same speed as the Earth so one Martian day is uh, 24 hours and about 40 minutes so this was discovered quite early actually also Huygens uh, noticed this ice cap here that actually was polar ice and um, as the uh, telescopes became better they started to see more and more details you observe the south polar cap as well there and uh, in 1830 a meridian was selected because yeah, the equator it's kind of obvious where the equator should be but uh, the meridian you have to just select and um, there were two astronomers in 1830 that selected this suggested this as the meridian Johann Heinrich Mädler and William Beer so this is now called the Meridian Planum Meridiani Planum where the meridian meets the equator And uh, Mars is uh, about the diameter of it, if you measure, it's about half the size of the Earth diameter. And the mass is about 11%, uh, I think, around 10%. Uh, not as dense as the earth and it has quite low gravity one third of the earth gravity so it's not easy for water to stay on the surface and that's also because of the atmosphere because it's really thin and it consists mostly of carbon dioxide and uh, because it's so thin also the pressure is really low and that's also why water can't stay on the surface but water can be locked in ice and uh, 
Mars has approximately the same angle, rotation angle as the Earth, so it has seasons, but it uh, rotates the Sun in approximately two years, so the years are, the length and the years are doubled in a way, not exactly, but you can think of it as doubled. One Martian year is uh, 669 sols, and sol is the Martian day, so it's not exactly one day on Earth. And um, this is equivalent to 687 Earth days. Uh, but let's continue with the early observations of Mars. Like I said, the um, telescopes became better and better. And uh, Mars and the Earth sometimes are in something called the opposition. And uh, that's when they are closest to each other. Because they have their orbits like this around the Sun. And every two years or so, they're close to each other. And that's when it's really good to observe Mars from from the Earth because because they're so close. Also, every fifteen to seventeenth year, something like that, they're in something called the perihelic opposition, and then they're even more close because they have. Uh, somehow different uh, elliptical orbits and so every 15th year it's even better to observe and this happened in uh, 2018 actually and before that it must have been in 2003 something so but during the 1878 1877 opposition there was an Italian astronomer called uh, Giovanni Schiaparelli Schiaparelli and he makes the first really detailed map of Mars and it looked uh, like this And uh, he imagined that uh, half of the surface would be an ocean, because it was somehow darker. And then there were pieces of land that he named after, I think, mostly Greek mythology, or maybe from the Bible. We have Hellas, very distinct shape in the southern hemisphere. So for some reason he thought that uh, almost the entire southern hemisphere was an ocean, some islands, and uh, a lot of land in the northern hemisphere. 
so canals here and he named everything and actually many of these names are still used today so you can find you can find a lot of these names on the globe here so here we have Arabia Chrissy Argire Hellas Elysium See if we can find them on the globe Here's uh, Elysium Planitia Planitia Arabia Terra Hellas Planitia solar system that's been found. Argira Planitia Actually, what he supposed to be um, a lower altitude and oceans is actually the opposite in reality because these are the highlands in the southern hemisphere that must have looked darker in his telescope and. Uh, he read that as uh, oceans, just like the, you remember, the Sirtis Major, Sirtis Major Planum here, it's darker, it's easy to think it's an ocean, if you think it, it's water on Mars, of course, and um, almost the entire, or m most parts of the Northern Hemisphere it's a really, really flat lowland. And this is where uh, Schiaparelli thought he saw all these continents and these canals. And this is also a map of um, that uh, Schiaparelli made some years later more details and a lot of more of these canals as you can see
should be upside down. I think some of these maps are upside down because the image in the telescope always uh, turned out upside down in a way. So it's Mare Australia, the southern ocean here on top of this map. So you should actually look at this this way. canals made people start to imagine that um, or start to think about what what could this could it mean why are there so many canal like features on Mars and an astronomer called uh, Camille Flammarion Flammarion wrote uh, a lot of books about the canals and about an intelligent race that could use the canals to redistribute the water across a dying Martian world. And uh, this was written in 1892. And um, he also assumed that uh, these Martians were more advanced than humans. And these uh, thoughts of the canals really triggered the imaginations of many people, astronomers and others. And um, you maybe should keep in mind that uh, during this time, late 19th century, there were a lot of canal building on the earth. So the Suez Canal had been completed in 1869 and um, they started to build the the Panama Canal during this time as well. So if you thought of a really intelligent civilization somehow and what they could do, maybe you would think of canals as the really high-tech, um, the most high-tech you could think about somehow. Maybe these Martians could look like this. Cool. 
Percival Lowell and he founded an observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona that he used for the exploration of Mars and its canals. And this was in 1894 and he published many books uh, one called Mars in 1895 one called Mars and its canals in 1906 one called Mars as the abode of life in 1908 so he really adopted the idea of of these canals that started with the Schiaparelli's Schiaparelli's maps on the surface of Mars. But then in the in the early twentieth century there there were some doubts about this, about the canals. And um Maybe it was just uh, optical illusions. That's probably what it was. Sometimes when you look into a light directly for hours and hours and just uh, don't have a camera or anything, just have to to stare at the light and then draw what you see. Maybe it's not so uncommon to see a lot of, like, if there are dots. If you see, like, uh, dots of darker color, maybe you see some lines in between them. It's like an optical effect, I guess. So I guess there were many reasons why you could see these canals. Because, yeah, there were no photo photographic technology by this time. So no one has ever managed to get a photo of these canals. It's just drawings and imagination, I guess. But then in the 20th century we entered the space age. And um, the first successful flyby to Mars was in 1965, NASA's uh, Mariner 4. And uh, we took some photos of the surface of Mars. And um, yeah, you could really see there were no canals. And then followed a lot of more um, orbiters and uh, spacecrafts during the late 60s, early 70s and the first landings on Mars in 1971 I think you can see it here on the globe
the southern hemisphere it's Mars Mars 3 USSR in 1971 but uh, unfortunately contact was lost almost immediately and this was in the Terra Sirenum area to the south here it's a really interesting area where uh, scientists today think uh, could be a, a good spot for search for life or um, yeah, previous life on Mars if you dig a bit into the surface because uh, what they found there is uh, there are some salt um, there are some uh, thick salt layers here and um, it's also a big crater called Newton Crater and craters and salt are really good for if there have been life in the past uh, the salt could like preserve uh, evidence of life and uh, the craters are good because um, can like uh, if you watch the, the the walls in a way, inner walls of a crater, you can see different. Uh, can trace time, I think, through the through the walls, just like archaeology always do, like uh, tracing sediments, go back in time. And it's believed that it's been um, ancient ponds and lakes in this area, but it, that it was evaporated in at some point but also in uh, 1971 we had NASA's uh, Mariner 9 that um, orbited around Mars and took a lot of photos and discovered a lot the image of Mars changed radically. Um, dust storms were discovered and uh, dormant volcanoes. For example, it's a huge volcano. See here, Olympus Mons. kilometers high that's two and a half times Mount Everest it's the tallest uh, one of the tallest mountains in the entire solar system largest volcano in the solar system also in this area Tarsis Montes there are three giant volcanoes Arsiamon Pavonis Mons, Ascreus Mons. Just at, at the equator. So this is a really mountainous area. 
also one feature that the Mariner 9 discovered were these Valles Marineris gave name to the to this and it's a super-sized uh, canyon actually you can compare it to Grand Canyon but uh, times 10 or something like that like uh, ten times longer than Grand Canyon, it's uh, four times deeper, twelve times wider. And it's a really interesting area. The view from there can't be compared with anything else. And um, also connected to this area here. There's Ares Valleys. So a lot of, um, yeah could possibly say canals or channels where it's believed to have been floating water back in time if there were liquid water on the surface of Mars at some point then the water could uh, flow from these uh, mountainous areas through these valleys, marineries and other um, gullies and uh, rifts floating into oceans and seas like Chrissy Planitia for example part of the lowland on the, in the north Planitia. It's actually where the first successful landing happened, or was located in um, 1976. Viking 1 landed on July 20th, 1976. So let's see where Viking 2 landed. Yeah, here in the north in something called Utopia, Planitia. Landed September 3rd, 1976. And then there were more photos sent to Earth, of course, of Mars surface. Also more while they were orbiting as well around the planet and uh, Viking 1 actually sent a photo that um, that uh, captured some interests 
it looked something like this. exactly like this. So this was a photo from the from the Sidonia uh, region. when it's mud it's really a nice place where you can uh, search for life past or present life but um, when this uh, image became public in 1976 there were a lot of theories about uh, extraterrestrial intelligence and speculations that this was actually evidence of a long-lost Martian civilization. And they thought they saw pyramids in this area as well, like 
Yeah, it was some kind of monument. I think it's uh, 1.5 kilometer in size. So that there were some huge ancient monuments. Monuments from a ruined city. speculations about that for quite some time because uh, then it took a while be before we we received any more detailed images and maps of Mars I guess it, the focus was more on, was more on the um, the other planets the Voyager program during the late 70s and the 80s with the beautiful new pictures of um, Venus, Mercury, the asteroids, Saturn, Jupiter, and um, but then in 1997 the next mission to Mars took place. And this is a more recent photo of the same area, the Cydonia region. So I guess it wasn't a humanoid face at all, it was just a rock. detailed pictures were received in 1997 through the Mars Global Surveyor program and also in the FBC program in 1997 um, it was the Pathfinder Lander and uh, the Sojourner Rover that landed on the surface on the surface of Mars let's see if I can find location. Yeah, here it is. Mars Pathfinder landed July 4th, 1997. So it was in this uh, really interesting area, close to Cydonia, close to Ares Valis to Cruise Planitia that I've talked about a lot. And um, this was the first time actually rover sent to the surface of Mars and it didn't travel for a very long distance, I think only 100 meters and or 330 feet before the communication was lost. But at least it was a start. And um, then in 2001, NASA sent the Odyssey orbiter that returned uh, over 100,000 images on the surface. 
in 2003, European Space Agency sent a lander and orbiter. Let's see if I can find the landing spot here. Viking. Here. It says Beagle 2, UK. Landed. Contact lost. December 25th, 2003. In the ICDS Planitia. This huge base in here. So the contact was unfortunately lost. But then in 2004, NASA sent uh, Spirit and Opportunity. And uh, now let's see here. Opportunity landed January 25th, 2004. In the Meridiani. Planum, just the meridian and the equator. And uh, actually, opportunity rover was on Mars for many, many years. Also, spirit that landed on the opposite opposite side. Planet somewhere here. Spirit landed January fourth, two thousand and four. A bit south of the equator. And um, Spirit traveled for seven kilometers or five miles before it died in a sand dune in March 2010. So, for six years actually, Spirit was here. Opportunity landed uh, near a small crater called uh, the um, Endurance Crater. Let's see if I can zoom in a bit. Exactly, it could be this one, the 
and Deborah Crater. Found a lot of information here. I traveled uh, 45 kilometers or 28 miles between uh, 2004 and, and um, summer 2018. And uh, it fell silent during a sandstorm last summer. And uh, the mission was declared over in early 2019. So it's not so long time ago. And then In 2008, NASA sent the stationary lander Mars-Phoenix to the very north of the planet. So here you can see the spot. It landed on May 25th, 2008. close to the northern polar ice cap and actually Phoenix found water ice beneath, just beneath the surface so that was uh, that was really great news for all the scientists that look for water on this planet so it's like water can't, because of the uh, low atmosphere, low pressure, and no, almost no magnetic field on this planet, it's not possible for water to stay on the surface, like I said. But it could be a lot of water, ice water, just uh, beneath the ground, also locked in the, in the polar cap. It's actually been shown that uh, this consists of uh, water ice, but during um, the winter for the northern hemisphere, the polar ice grows, just like on the earth. But that's not, uh, that's no new water ice, that's uh, carbon dioxide ice. And then in the spring, when it gets warmer, it melts and uh, carbon dioxide ice doesn't melt into liquid water, it melts directly into, into gas form. But there are some, some water ice here doesn't disappear during the year. On the South Pole there hasn't been any evidence of water ice at all. So here this, the ice that uh, the static ice here consists of uh, carbon dioxide.
and uh, saw a documentary on YouTube about a really cool phenomenon happening here in the spring, the southern hemisphere spring, when it gets warmer because then the carbon dioxide underneath the frozen carbon dioxide becomes uh, a gas form evaporate into gas um, and it creates like cases jets of uh, dirt from the ground and it's like raining on the on the on the frozen uh, carbon dioxide uh, surface here this dirt that just spouts out it creates like a airbrush pattern that looks really cool and Nothing like this can be seen on Earth, so it's a completely new, discovered uh, nature phenomenon. And then we have uh, 2012, the Gale Crater. Let's see if we can find it. It's also south of the equator, south, south of Elysium Planitia, where Curiosity landed, also a rover, on August 6, 2012. And um, Curiosity Discovering this crater, the Gale crater, it's chosen because, yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, craters are really good for if you want to look for signs of past or present life. And also in the middle of this crater, it's a, it's a big uh, mountain called the Mount, uh, the, uh, Mount Sharp. And just at the base of that mountain, it, have, it has found a lot of evidence for water in the past. That's basically what all the scientists talk about, water, evidence of water. At least what I've seen so far. It's actually quite interesting uh, crater called Orcus Patera. Look at the shape of it. It's like a teardrop, not round like most of the craters. It's believed it's believed that this was created from a meteor meteorite that was really in high speed coming from outer space and uh, in a very low angle. Very low angle like this hit the ground and created this 
very unusual shape of a crater. has traveled now for uh, approximately 45, no sorry, 21 kilometers. It was reported in July 2019. That's about 13 miles in, uh, since 2012. So they travel, they're not traveling so fast, these uh, rovers. But I guess that's not the point. There's a crater called the Jezero crater. Should be located between uh, Isidis Planitia and the Sirtis Major Planum somewhere. is where the uh, one of the next uh, rovers and landers will land in uh, 2021 the Mars 2020 program that haven't it hasn't got uh, another name yet and also we have um, the Rosalind Franklin rover lander We'll go to Oxyaplanum in 2021. Oxyaplanum. It says Oxyacoles here somewhere. It's in this interesting area with all the these Ares valleys and all these. Uh, old, possibly old rivers are located because you know this this is a real mountainous region. These are the valleys, marineries. This looks like these look like valleys, and this could be an ancient ocean. And um, Rosalind Franklin is a collaboration between European Space Agency and the uh, Roscosmos State Corporation. It's a European-Russian mission. scientists believe that the Earth and Mars the very beginning were quite similar developed in the same way 
geological history of Mars. It's divided into time periods like the Noachian period, or first the pre-Noachian period, 4.5 billion years ago to 4 billion years ago when it was formed, just like the Earth. And it was this heavy bombardment of uh, asteroids and everything that created, eventually created gravity and and um, planet structure. And then the Noachian period, uh, four billion years ago to, and this is just a guess, uh, 3.7 billion years ago. And it's believed that the, uh, the surfaces with a lot of craters, as you can see, on these highlands, they were created during this time. You can still see the evidence of heavy bombardment. It's scattered here, all over. And that's why it's called the Noachian period. It's named after this. Let's see here, Noachis. Noachis Terra. And uh, then we had the Hesperian period could be something between 3.7 to 3 billion years ago. Then it's believed that lakes and uh, water existed on the surface. And also life. Just like on Earth, life started quite early. Very primitive life forms in the water. And then uh, something happened that made uh, Earth continue to develop life, and Mars didn't. And the sea and the water disappeared. The atmosphere out in space. Maybe it could have been because of the solar wind or by a giant meteorite. But it's really interesting, fascinating to think about these areas. I think there once were oceans. Bastitas Borealis, giant northern ocean. It's uh, believed that there, there were a lot of volcanic activity during during Hesperian uh, time and maybe also in the Amazonian period that followed. Here's Amazonis Planitia named this last period. 
that um, lasted from about 3 billion years ago to present. So it's believed that this uh, dry and uh, inhospitable planet had looked like this for like 3 billion years perhaps. And um, these giant volcanoes created like a more smooth landscape that covered these early these early craters from the Nuekian period. So you can see here around the around these Olympus Mons and the Tarsis Mons. It's a completely different kind of surface. Well...